Welcome to the King's Chapel Alaska podcast. From wherever you are listening, we are so excited that you tuned in today. Let's prepare our hearts to hear from God's Word. If you'll take your Bible and turn to the book of Genesis. I'm not, I'm not exactly... to preach a word to you tonight from the end of Genesis, final story, the final story in Genesis is Joseph. And you could preach a 27 series message from the story of Joseph easily. I'm going to pull out a segment here. If I was preaching a series, this would be the the last of it. If I was going to put the life of Joseph in a series of sermons, this would be the last one. And if you're a note taker person, you can write this down in a little bit. But I want you to say this with me. It all adds up. Say it with me. It all adds up. Come on, let's read this together. Um... Hold on, let me decide what I'm going to read here. uh, Chapter 45. I'm going to read uh, three segments of Scripture. The Word of God gives us a clear picture of God. We desperately need a clear picture of the Lord. We're skewed with hurts and fractures and misinformation, assumptions, bad storytelling, guessing. And our our picture of who God is is cloudy. And we need something to clear it up. I've often related it to me trying to live without my glasses on. Some really bad things happen when I don't wear these. You would never want to ride in the car with me if I'm not wearing these. And yet, people try to live life without the Word of God, hoping they can see God correctly. And God gives us His Word so that we can see where we're going so we can see him today's story here I'm a narrative the the narratives in the word of God captivate me it's what speaks to me most and today we're going to get a a picture of God here and as we read this we're going to see four main characters and I hope as we just look at these characters here that Whatever it is God's wanting to say comes and touches you. And after we read, you can be done playing if you want to. Or you can just stand there and play. But I want to pull out of this passage the four characters. And I think the Lord's going to speak to us. It's for somebody here. Or online. Welcome to those of you online. Chapter 45. Then Joseph could no longer control himself before all his attendants. And he cried out, 
Have everyone leave my presence. So there was no one with Joseph when he made himself known to his brothers. And he wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard him. Pharaoh's household heard about it. Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still living? But his brothers were not able to answer him because they were terrified at his presence. Then Joseph said to his brothers, Come close to me. When they had done so, he said, I am your brother Joseph, the one you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. For two years now, there has been a famine in the land. And for the next five years, there will not be plowing and reaping. But God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So then it was not you who sent me here, but God. Now I want you to jump to verse 25. Quite a bit happens here between there, and we'll kind of talk about it in a little bit. Verse 25, so they, the brothers, so they went up out of Egypt and came to their father Jacob in the land of Canaan. They told him, Joseph is still alive. In fact, he is ruler of all Egypt. Jacob was stunned. He did not believe them. When they told him everything Joseph had said to them, and when he saw the carts Joseph had sent to carry him back, the spirit of their father Jacob revived. And Israel said, I'm convinced my son Joseph is still alive. I will go and see him before I die. We're going to keep reading chapter 46. So Israel set out with all that was his. When he reached Beersheba, he offered sacrifices to the God of his father Isaac. And God spoke to Israel in a vision at night and said, Jacob, Jacob, here I am. He replied, I am God, the God of your father. He said, do not be afraid to go down to Egypt, for I will make you into a great nation there. I will go down to Egypt with you, and I will surely bring you back again. And Joseph's own hand will close your eyes. Father, come and speak to us. God, you have burned something inside me, Lord, and I need help to communicate it. God, give me an anointing. May my simple words somehow communicate what it is you so deeply want said here today. Help us. Give us ears to hear. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated this evening. Thank you, Brother Toby, and thank you again to the worship team. Wow, Joseph is an amazing story. If you're unfamiliar with the story of Joseph, please make it your reading this week underline and let the, let the Lord speak to you. And If you're familiar with the story of Joseph, 
I hope today to encourage you again. Messages call it all adds up. And we're going to look at these four characters here, four main characters in our story. Joseph, his brothers, Jacob, the dad, and then we're going to look at God as our last character in this story because there's a really bizarre part of this story that just baffles me. And I hope I can communicate that too because it's a mystery to me. And God's great plans, it all adds up. Our, see, our life is not a straight line. And it's more like a zig, a zag, a wig, a wag, a hig, a hag, a jig, a jag, a big, a bag. Right? Those of you whose life has been a straight line without any of that, you're not a real person. And I don't believe you. My life of Joseph is such a classic picture of the Lord's tremendous orchestrations. And I want to pull some things out of this kind of the ending of the story here. But let's back it up and let's just briefly recap a bullet points of Joseph, if you're not familiar with him. He comes from the paragon of dysfunction. Do you know what paragon refers to when you use it in that manner? Perfect example. His family is the paragon of dysfunction. He was a favored son in, in, uh, in Jacob's family. He had favorites among his children. Not a good plan for a family. Just want to tell you right there. His favorite was Joseph. And he showed it to his brothers. Gave him a beautiful coat to signify his delight in Joseph. Didn't give his brothers one of those. He was hated by his brothers. They abused him. They made fun of him. They picked on him. They despised him. When he came to, to simply obey what his dad told him to do, they decided they were going to kill him. Not just beat him up and make him feel bad and, and uh, hurt his feelings. They wanted him dead. How's that for a family? Uh, they threw him in a pit. They couldn't decide the best way they were going to kill him, leave him, leave him for dead, kill him ourselves. They had a big argument of how they were going to best eliminate him or make him vanish from their life for the thorn he was in their side. And so they threw him in a pit and sold him. And away he went. And then they went home and told dad a big fat lie. Covered it all up. And convinced their dad. Somehow they got away with it. So he was sold into slavery. And even in slavery, he was elevated. The Lord saw to it that his giftings, his talents, his character 
shined like stars and he was elevated in Potiphar's house and then you thought it was going to go good and then he got arrested and thrown into prison falsely. He did what was right and got thrown into prison, right? He, li- he refused to give in to Potiphar's wife and be immoral and was thrown into prison for it. And while he's in prison, he comes to the aid of two of Pharaoh's, in the land of Egypt, two of Pharaoh's officers, a cupbearer and a baker, served on off, uh, Pharaoh's team, helped them, aided them, encouraged them, and they, they get out of prison, and the exact thing for, uh, uh, Joseph said takes place in their life. And while he was in prison with them, he only asked one thing of them, don't forget me. And guess what happened? They forgot him. Doesn't really seem like a real shining example of God's goodness is coming after. We all have some stories that could kind of go along with Joseph's story, right? Things that are just so mind-boggling and confusing. And so he gets elevated, right? He gets elevated by Pharaoh, interprets Pharaoh's dreams, gets elevated to the second in command in all of Egypt. Profound story of zig, zag, poof. Something unexpected and unforeseen ends up happening Joseph never saw coming and never did, neither did anyone else. <clears throat> Let's look at Joseph's story. Uh, it's the incredible, his story is the incredible work of God. And what we read today in chapter 45, this story and these, just these pieces that I read to you, and there's more, you can read them, but these pieces here are what I want to bring out of these characters and their interactions with each other. Because we find a long-awaited, intricately planned, painstakingly walked out culmination of events. And some of them are really confusing. They don't make sense to you and I. Causes us to marvel at the wisdom of God. Joseph's response. So we read it. Take a look. Chapter 45. Here he is. He's standing before his brothers. What a, what a sermon we could preach about how he recognized them, but they didn't recognize him. There's a whole message all into itself about the transform, transformation that he's gone through, but the transformation they hadn't gone through. So here he stands before him, and he just can't help it any longer, and he busts out, reveals who he is. And I want to point out Je- Joseph's response to this, and then we'll get to the brothers. The clowns. But let's look at Joseph. I want to point out to you, Joseph, first of all, uh, Joseph's response is the high road. Everybody say that with me. 
the high road. See, in, in any response you have to any circumstance, there's a high road and a low road. What's the low road? The low road is revenge. You're going to pay for what you did. Oh, I've been waiting for this day. Oh, I've got all the power in Egypt, and you're right here in front of me. And Joseph refuses to take the low road. He takes the high road. See, Joseph had an understanding. God is at work, and he's doing something bigger than your decisions make me feel. God is doing something. Joseph takes the high road of God's big picture. He reflects about his responses to his brothers are all about what God is doing. They're not about him. They're not about the brothers, though he does bring them up. But his emphasis and the point of what he's saying is, look what God is up to. All the horror that he's been through, I don't know another way to say it, terrible atrocities that have happened to him wrongly. And what does he say? Look what God is doing. He understands it all adds up. Say it with me. It all adds up. He tells his brothers, take a look at verse uh, 5. And now do not be distressed. Do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you for two years now reflects on it. Verse seven, but God sent me ahead for good and more good is coming. Could you respond that way? I don't know if I could respond that way. Somebody treat me like those guys. Those clowns, those mean guys, you know how much time's gone by? 22 years. It wasn't just a week ago, and we're all going to get over it. Do you know anybody that, like, keeps a grudge for a long time, and they're just waiting for their moment? I'm not talking about you. You would never do that. I would never do that. But other people. Other people would hold on to it, waiting for the moment to strike back. Life filled with bitterness. Do you know anybody who's been so consumed with bitterness because they took, they're waiting for their moment to take the low road? They refuse to take the high road? What happens if Jake Joseph doesn't take the high road? What, what happens if he takes the low road? Ask yourself that question. What would the outcome have been? God's painstakingly plan is hinged on Joseph taking the high road. Consider, oh yeah, yeah. Joseph considers his brother's actions as critical to God's plan. Verse 
How could that possibly be true? That's because God can turn anything to good. Don't ever be confused that someone's mean actions against you can't somehow be turned to good by the living God who loves you and sees a bigger picture than you do and is moving all the pieces around and at some point is going to go poof. Sees his brother's actions as meant for good. What in the world? Look at this. God, same verses. Do not be distressed. Do not be angry for selling me here. He clearly has not forgotten. He didn't forget in his somehow skipping over it, which is what the brothers would hope would happen. Maybe he won't remember. They're probably, these clowns are probably looking at each other going, don't bring it up. That's what you and I would be doing. We're going to talk about the brothers in a minute. What a basket case. But here's Joseph. What an astounding response to his brothers now standing before him. And he has every ability to get even with them and worse. What amazing character. Through all of the pain and hurt and, and, uh, that he's been through 20 years, 20 plus years, and now here they are, and he takes the high road. I want you to contemplate that in a mo- for a moment and, and consider maybe some of your responses. Some of my responses, Father, help us. Now let's talk about these brothers. They really had some challenges. I'm sure you're, we're not anything like them, so, you know, because we, we don't act like they do. Jealous, mean. Uh, so here they are. Now let's take a look at these brothers' response. Verse 3. But his brothers were not able to answer him because they were terrified at his presence. Why were they so terrified? Well, let's stop and think for a moment. And let's pretend that you and I are like these brothers, even though we're not, right? Let's pretend a natural human response. The first one is, oh my goodness, we're going to get found out. We've been living a lie for 22 years, and he's still here. What's going to happen right now? We just got exposed. Our evil is not going to be covered up any longer. What if he tells dad? So they're standing here. They're shocked that it's him. Second highest, Egypt, his seat, his title, his authority, his power. Yes, but also there's this fear that somehow he's going to get us back. They're terrified about what's going to happen. They don't even know what to say. They can't speak. They're filled with fear. Their evil's going to be found out. What is Joseph going to do for us? And then it turns into 
an incredible amount of weeping. So they're filled with fear. They're trembling. They're nervous. And then it turns to weeping that we can't picture. They've been closed in a room in Joseph's house, but everybody outside the house can hear them because of the volume and the amount, the overwhelming weeping that's taking place. And it isn't just Joseph that's crying, it's the brothers. It's not a little tear because my fantasy football team lost. It's not a little little bit of sniffling and tears because I didn't get my way and the person in front of me to, you know, that ordered 27 smoothies when I'm at the coffee shop and all I want is my little cup of coffee, but the car in front of me ordered like and 40 burritos and I'm just sitting there forever. We're not talking about, you know, that kind of weeping. We're talking about 22 years of living a lie and they want it to be right. The guilt has, had, the guilt has hung over them for 20 years. Living a lie to dad, making sure they don't say the wrong thing to dad. Shh, don't say that, he won't ask. We don't want dad to ask any more questions. Don't bring it up. 20 years of trying to cover up their evil is now coming out of them in a weeping that is astounding. There ain't no hiding it. It's ugly weeping. You know, there's crying and then there's ugly crying. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? This is nuclear ugly crying on a scale we probably haven't encountered. And if you have, I'm sorry that's happened to you. God can turn it to good. This is horrid, ugly crying. Snot everywhere. Can't breathe. Ugly. So they were filled with fear. Joseph takes the high road and they are all weeping over what has happened. And then reconciliation begins. It's amazing. The high road brought reconciliation. The low road will never bring reconciliation. You know why? Because the low road is man's wrath. It's a quest for revenge, for payback, for you did this, so, well, you... You uh, made you, you know, you, you made your bed. Now you got to sleep in it. You dug the pit. You fell in it. Guess that's your fault. That's the low road. The wrath of man does not bring about the righteousness of God. Now let's look at the father's response. So we've had this encounter with the brothers, who've lived with a burden. Now reconciliation has come. They've cried it out. Now they're filled with a whole nother definition of life and they're going back to tell dad everything. So we're picking up now. We read from verse 25 to 28. 
And I want you to look at uh, verse 27. Oh, excuse me, verse 26. They told him, Joseph is still alive. In fact, he is ruler of all Egypt. Jacob was stunned. He did not believe them. Father's response, speechless, numb. Something that he had finally chosen to live with is now being brought right back up into his face. 20 years of grieving, and they tell him, Joseph's still alive. His heart stops. His brain stops. His insides freeze. He doesn't even know what to do. I wonder what his thoughts were. The Bible doesn't tell us what his thoughts were other than he did not believe them. There's no way you're telling. Did he get mad at them? Did he say, I thought you said an animal killed him? The father, did he bring up their cover-up? Did he bring up the fact that they just didn't say anything for 20 years about what really happened? Decides to go on. Decides he believes them and they're going to go down to Egypt and accept the invitation. He's going to go see for himself and he believes them. And then here we find what I think is one of the most mysterious passages in the whole Bible. We find God speaks. Verse 40, uh, chapter 46, why don't you take a look at this and see if this strikes you as baffling as it does me. So Israel, we're going to look at the last character in our little narrative here, and that's God's response. Here we go. So Israel set out with all that was his, and he reached the place. He offered sacrifices to the God, his father Isaac, and God shows up. Jacob, Jacob, here I am. I am God, the God of your father. Do not be afraid to go down, make you into a great nation there, and, and go down to Egypt. I'm going to bring you back. And then we say, and Joseph's own hand will close your eyes. Well, what's wrong with that? What's so mysterious about that? God's reassuring him. How is it 22 years goes by and God never told Jacob he was still alive? Is that not mysterious? At any moment, the God who gives dreams, who visited personally, this is Jacob. This is Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, one of the patriarchs. This is Jacob who becomes Israel, who wrestled with God. Why didn't God tell him? Why did he let Jacob live with so much grief? Why did he let Jacob hurt for 22 years? Is that not wonder? Do you not want, what, what is God picking on him? Why wouldn't God tell him? I, I don't get it. 
That makes zero sense to me other than one thing. But for a moment before I say the one thing, I want to hang there for just a moment because many of us and me have these questions in our mind, wonderings about turns of events, and God's been silent about them. And so we have a definition that somehow God's not involved. I'm all alone on this one. Why is God being silent? 22 years has passed of crying and grieving and cover up. Why didn't God point out the brothers? I think that is a marvelous question. I can only come up with one reason. And I want you to hear this today because it gives us a clear picture of our great and good God. How could a good God let Jacob hurt for so long? Singing a song about the goodness of God, running after. And yet here's Jacob. Here's the brothers getting away with it. Doesn't make sense to me. What exactly am I singing about? Unless what God had in store for the whole nation was dependent on Jacob not knowing what was going on. Because he's a good father, even though he's got a dysfunctional family, what would you do if you found out your treasured son was still alive and where he was? What would you do? Sit there and wait for God's plan to come about? No way. God knows something we don't know. He knows you. He knows me. There wouldn't be nothing stop me from going down to Egypt, even if I didn't have a big enough army, and going rescuing my son. I can't imagine a parent getting a dream from God. Your son's still alive. He's down in Potiphar's house and not taking action, right? How many parents do I have in the building here? Yeah, a lot. I have five precious treasures right here. I got a couple of them have a phone. If I send a text message and there's no response within a few minutes, my first inclination is I wonder if I need to go look for them because I'm the protector I'm the dad, I'm the watcher, I'm the gatekeeper, and I'm the defender of my family. And just because this was thousands of years ago doesn't mean somehow it's changed. That's who Jacob is. And God's wisdom, it was more important for Jacob to live with, with the grief so that God's great plan wouldn't get aborted. What? How could that possibly be? It's because I want, I want, to, I want to point out here what God's speaking to us. Because that doesn't make sense to us in our normal line of thinking, unless you look at the whole picture. 
And it makes you ask right now, what is God up to that he hasn't told me about and I just need to keep going? Because he's going to bring it about. God's speaking to us. In my final few minutes of this word, I want to point out these things. And I hope you hear me today. And then we'll take time to pray because I know the Lord's speaking to us. First of all, God's speaking to us that God's plans are a bigger picture. Please hear me. We only see in a limited fashion. But somehow we want to suppose upon God that we can see like he sees. And he doesn't. You know, when you surrender, when you surrender your life to the Lord uh, and you make Jesus your Lord and Savior, if you've never done that, you need to get right with God, you're, you're making a surrender to the Lord. You're, let, you're essentially letting him be the boss. I have, in my time of being a children's pastor for 20-something years, invariably rescued many kids from drowning. We were in Maui for 15 years, and it was a normal thing for us to take kids to the beach, and invariably there would be a kid way, get, get pulled way out there, got to go pull them back in, sometimes in the nick of time. And I want you to know that there's a big difference in a child fighting you to be rescued and one who surrenders to you rescuing them. When you surrender, I mean, I've got stories of rescuing kids who, who was just freaking out in the water. But when I got out there and they surrendered, they were essentially saying, could you please take over? And you, when you surrender to the Lord, that's a real surrender. Would you please take over? Do you know when you do that, he starts rearranging things? And if you'll let him, things like what happened for Joseph, his brothers, and Jacob, those things will come about in your life. If you'll let him be the director of those things. He sees bigger. He sees farther. We are short-sighted. We see right here. And then we get mad at God because, you know, we think we can see like he can. It all adds up. Would you look at these scriptures? I hope you know them, but I'm going to remind you of them today. Romans 8, 28. Can you pull that up here? Come on, look at this. It all adds up. And we know. Romans 8, 28. You got it up there? And we know. Can we say no together? And we know. You know that's different and we, than and we hope? Paul didn't write, and we hope all things work. He didn't write hope. He's not guessing. He uses a different word there. This is a confident, solidified, I know that I know that I know all things God works for the good of those that love him. Uh, let's look at this one. I want to look at, uh, let's, let's do 2 Corinthians 4.17. God sees a bigger picture. 2 Corinthians, for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. It's all working for good. 
It all turns to good. It all adds up. Even if you don't have an answer to your questions, it's still adding up. Uh, so God plans a bigger picture. And then secondly, what I want us to hear God saying today in this word from Joseph, his brothers, the dad, and, and God finally saying something is the what is greater than the why. We get hung up on the why. But only a particular kind of why. Let me draw a distinction. If you won the lottery, you would never show up here at early morning prayer, full tears, crying, God, why? If all your wildest dreams come true and somebody dropped a new Jaguar off at your car, car off in your driveway and said, I just feel led by the Lord to just give you this car. You would not show up here wanting counseling. Minister Lori, could you please meet with me? I just don't understand. <laughs> if, that, if you did do that, we would all consider you to have the worst issues known to man. So what kind of why is it that we get hung up on? Oh, things we don't agree with. We only scream out why God when we don't agree with something that's happened. What in the world does your agreement have anything to do with God's wisdom? Do you not understand your wisdom? My wisdom is as foolishness to God. It doesn't even compare. Please hear me today. What he's doing is way greater and more important than how he's doing it. Let him have it. Let him do it like he's wanting to. You're going to be okay. What he's doing is more important than the why, how it's bringing it about, and your agreement or understanding. I just don't understand. Thank God you don't understand. Because if you did understand, I would wonder about God's wisdom. Our understanding, it, it, our understanding, if, if you want to make decisions based on only your understanding, <clears throat> then what is God's wisdom for? Our understanding is small. What kind of picture of God do we have? if we need to agree with everything he's doing. Uh, so, along with that is God's wisdom, you know, it may not include your understanding. It certainly didn't for Jacob. But how did it play out? He res God rescued a nation with a great deliverance. Sometimes God's positioning us by repositioning us. And we don't have to understand that. You can't get into position without repositioning. The very fact that you would have to get into position in itself is saying you're not in position. You need to reposition. And sometimes God just does that. You know, you know 
Sometimes God rearranges things, and he's got a zig and a zag and a hig and a hag. All of the above. To reposition us. So if you don't have a clue what's going on, you're just like, God, what are you doing? Very well. It, very, could, it could be very well that you're being repositioned to get you in position. And then the last thing I want to bring out from this story today is don't you ever doubt that God is not a reconciler and that his great delight is reconciliation. Our God is a God of healing and repairing broken walls and mending broken hearts and reconciling and bringing healing to estrangement. And he works it out in here. He didn't have to do that, but he did. And he told us about it. And what we see, we're getting a, we're getting a picture of who God is. Our God is a healer. Our God wants healing between family and, and relationships. So do you find yourself in today's story at all? Do you, find you, do you hear anything that applies to you today? Maybe you're Joseph and you've, you, there's some unusual steps. Let me just tell you some things here. My family, this is not you. I'm just going to bring out some things in our, in our family that would just like make you scratch your head. See, I have this white hair right here. And I'm pretty sure it's from head-scratching moments trying to figure out, what is God doing? Because that's where it, right where it would be. Some of you have scratched way more than me, and it's all gone. <laughs> it's just a joke. I was just trying to be funny. Uh, my wife and I spent a year in, the, uh, in Pahoa. Our very first year of marriage, we spent year, a year in the Pakalolo capital of Hawaii doing children's ministry. That's marijuana for those of you who don't know what Pakalolo is. Uh, what an unusual scenario. Very, very difficult and challenging. And we left, we left there going, what in the world? There were moments God, that we were invited to best friends' weddings. I want you to go, um, you know, get an invitation. I want you to be my best man and my maid of honor, whatever it is. I don't know, the, I don't know all the right words for some of them. And the Lord clearly told us, don't go to those weddings. That was, that was, that was strange. Uh, how, how about this one? You may not know it, but... I went for three and a half years and could not speak. I lost my voice for three and a half years. God could have healed me at any moment. Our God's a healer. We prayed. I did whatever I needed to do. I went and preached outreaches and nobody could understand a thing I was saying. At any moment, God's going to heal me. Three and a half years. My kids couldn't even understand what I was saying to them. That's why I developed a very specific whistle to get their attention. I don't just whistle to them because I think they're little like pets or something. I had to start a way to get their attention. 
I drove an empty bus to Kihei for years every Sunday morning to pick up kids for church, but no kids got on the bus. And I'm just driving going, what am I doing? <laughs> we had this van. Excuse me, I'm going to tell a good story here. Those of you that lived on Maui, please hear me for just a moment. We had a van called Bora Bora 39. And it was Bora Bora 39. Yeah. It had some character. So I get in it on a Sunday morning. There's holes like above the seat, above the seat and it is pouring dog rain. So there's holes. So it's like full on raining on me in my nice suit as I drive to Harbor Light. Not Harbor Lights, Harbor Light. Thank you, Minister Micah. Whole PEs, you got me back there. See you, Uncle. And... As it's pouring dog rain, I go to turn on the windshield wipers, and they don't work. So I cannot see. I, get, I, get, I have children waiting for me at Harbor Light, and I'm in the Boda Boda 39 van. So I roll down the window cranker, and I stick my head out the window, and I drive to Harbor Light. Pick up my kids. I'm fully soaked, and I drive back. Oh, God, what are you doing, God? Why? Why do you want to make me do this? I don't understand. We have planned big events, gone right out into neighborhoods to, do, to declare God is alive, pass out hundreds of flyers. The time comes to start the big event, and there's no one there. So we just keep doing it, and we preach to an empty field. Thank you so much, Lord, for this great confidence boost today. Father, thank you. Why? Why are you doing this? Over and over, we've had mysterious turns of events. I got a whole bunch of them here. But I, I want to share with you an object lesson as I close up here. An object lesson. And you might be Joseph, and, and, and you might be, uh, you know, dealing with some interesting turns of events that are just like maybe you're trying to figure out what's going on, or, or maybe you're facing a moment where someone is now right in front of you who's hurt you so much. And you need to take the high road, and you're just like, I don't know how I'm going to do this. Mm, having to forgive evil that's been done to you. Maybe you're like the brothers, and you've been living a long time with a burden that you want gone. You want to be healed. You want reconciliation. You want it to, you want it to just go away, but it won't go away because something more needs to happen. Healing Maybe you are like the brothers and something inside of you, you want, it, you want it to be gone. I'm telling you, God is a God of forgiveness. You have today, today you can get right with God. Maybe you're like Jacob and you've been living with devastating hurt and no response from God. 
devastating hurt. Or maybe you've been, maybe you're Jacob and you're living without God filling in the blanks. And it's left you wondering what's happening. I've got a little object lesson here. We have a, uh, we have some favorite recipes in our house. And I don't know which one I'm going to do. I'll, I'll do. I'll do this one. So we have some favorite recipes in our house, and one of them's a secret family recipe. I'm pretty sure my mom's watching right now. I'm not going to give away the recipe. I just want you to know. Mom, pop, not going to give away the recipe. I'm going to keep my stripes in the family. Don't want to lose any more stripes. But there's a, like a, one ingredient that, that goes in this uh, family recipe that we call skillet beans. I've been making them ever since I was in college. And every time I make them, somebody asks me for the recipe. Can you give me the recipe? Some people love them. Some people despise them. Most people want me to make them again and again. But they, you have to add liquid smoke to them. One of the ingredients. I didn't give away the whole recipe. Calm down. Calm down. But you have to add liquid smoke to them. Anybody done cooking with liquid smoke? Yeah. It's awesome. Have you ever tasted it by itself? It's awful. You know, that's kind of what we do. Not what we do. It's kind of how we judge sometimes what God is doing. All by itself, we see it as bitter and horrid. And who in their right mind would add that to anything? But then you mix it with everything else, and you got something so awesome, you can't stop eating it. But you can't have that if you don't add this. You know, the Lord has little liquid smoke things in store for you, and he knows just the right amount to add to the mix to to bring it about. See, God's doing amazing things in your life, but it might seem like this right now. But it all adds up. He's doing something awesome. He's creating more in you than you realize he's doing. It all adds up. Say it with me. It all adds up. Would you stand with me tonight on this Sunday night? I know I went out of order, but I just couldn't help it anymore because I feel like, the, I feel like God's speaking to us. God's speaking to us that he knows what he's doing, that he's doing good, that we can trust him through every season. The words of the songs that we were singing, they bring it out so clear uh, that he is at work, that it all adds up, that he's creating a masterpiece. He's creating a master recipe. Please take the high road. When you take the high road, you're giving him permission to work in your favor. You may need to forgive. Maybe you're not Joseph, and, you, and it was spot on that some of you are wrestling like Jacob, feeling abandoned, feeling lost, that somehow God forgot you, feeling forgotten in God's great plan, living with hurt and grief. 
just a moment, would you lift your hands in the air? And the Lord is going to come minister life to you. Spirit of the living God, come. I want to tell you, you are not forgotten. That God's silence doesn't mean he's forgotten you. There's more at work than you can see. I'm telling you today, it's God's word for somebody here, maybe more than one. Maybe you're online. You need to hear me say that his silence doesn't mean he's not working or that somehow it's not going to turn to good or that somehow you have to understand. You don't have to understand. You only have to know the one who has it all figured out. He really does have it all figured out. You can release that burden and that weight of heaven to figure it out. He really does have it ordered. The steps of a righteous person are ordered by God. He makes my steps firm. He makes my feet like the the feet of a deer on the mountainside. They don't slip. They don't fall. I can scale a wall. My arms can bend a bow of bronze. He's working in your life. He's bringing about his great plans and intentions in your life. Some of you even right now just just need to release to him that burden of responsibility to have it all figured out and understand. You just need to lay it in his, lay it at his feet and declare, Lord, I'm trusting in you. I'm trusting in you, God. Oh God, would you come? Spirit of God, come lift the burden. Devil's been plaguing you devil's been plaguing you that somehow you're forgotten and abandoned because you don't have the understanding of what God's doing. It's a lie. He's not forgotten you. Thank you for joining today's podcast. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, you can partner with us and give at kcalaska.com. Also, don't forget to subscribe to our channel and enjoy more messages like this one.